0: Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast, brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. If you're pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. We've made all this advice accessible. Grab your own Thrive Guide with a workbook on leadership skills at christinedelano.com. So put aside that massive to-do list And let's get inspired. Today, we're diving into the bones of exchange-traded funds. Without them, we'd have no form and nothing to offer investors. Who are these essential minds? ETF analysts are scientists, detectives, and reporters, all rolled up into the span of a single trading session. We have two fantastic guests today to give us a peek at what they do. Anu Ganti and Rachel Lang are joining us for this episode. We have a ton of questions and, as always, not nearly enough time. Welcome, Anu and Rachel, to the We Talk Careers podcast. Great to be here. Thanks, Christine, for having me today. Awesome. So happy to have you both. Uh, Anu, um, let's start with you. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. So my name is Anu Ganti, and I'm a senior director uh,
1: within the Index Investment Strategy Group at S&P Dow Jones Indices. Uh, have been here for about seven years, uh, so time just flies. Uh, and prior to my time at S&P, I was a portfolio manager uh, at Parametric within the emerging market equity space. Uh, so have spanned my career within finance, a lot of different functions, and currently sit within the research space at an index provider. And, and to use sort of the, the hub and spokes analogy, our team is really at the hub of everything. So we're sort of the thought leaders uh, within indexing where we provide research and commentary uh, across a suite of asset classes where we have indices. So think equities, fixed income, uh, thematics, ESG. Uh, so really cover the gamut. And and it's just been fascinating to watch the the evolution of this industry. So re- really excited to be here.
0: Great. And Anu, from a personal perspective, any passions or um, hobbies that you want to share? Yes. Well, it's, it's
1: funny you mentioned that because, you know, as we went through COVID and came back from the pandemic and are adjusting, I find that we, you know, we picked up some new hobbies. We remembered some old hobbies. Uh, I grew up playing tennis as a kid. So now I'm all about fitness, uh, especially as we're sort of in this hybrid uh, work regime. So, so my husband and I are trying to get out to the tennis courts more often and play tennis. I also really enjoy music grew up playing the piano and, and singing. So so my goal is to, to get a piano uh, hopefully soon so I can start uh, playing some music. So we'll keep oh. you posted
0: on that. Oh, fantastic. Good for you. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, so Rachel, how about you? Can you tell us something about yourself?
2: Absolutely. And again, it's such a pleasure to join this amazing podcast. So uh, my name is Rachel Ling, and I'm a research analyst with the Scale ETF Capital Markets Team. I have been working in the ETF industry for over five years now. And prior to this role, I was dedicated to equity market structure research and ETF research in one of the leading trading firms. So, for my hobbies, I'm kind of like a bookworm or ner- nurse <laughs> in quote marks. Um, so, I enjoy like listening to jazz music, reading, and also um, it's just a small hobby of mine just to baking in the wintertime. So, I love the smell. I love like the worm. So, um, just gives me comfort.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. We,
2: we
1: can oh. form a band later, Rachel.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Probably with my husband because he loves, he loves jazz music and he puts it on. And I'm I'm good with it for a little while, like, you know, I don't know, 45 minutes or so I'm doing other things. And then it's like my brain is trying to like figure it out and I'm trying to find patterns or whatever and I, I can't do it. And I'll just like all of a sudden be like, can you turn it off? Can you turn it off? Like I'm like trying to do something else and I can't focus. So I, I know when the jazz music goes on, I just need to like put everything else down and I just need to like, you know, be mellow Go the with that music. Yeah, because I, I don't know, my brain is just like it like is on fire when, when, when it comes on. So um, good for you for figuring it out. (laughs) (laughs) So Rachel, let's, let's jump into the world of capital markets. Uh, But before we even begin with what you do, can you help our listeners understand the role of capital markets for ETFs? I think it's so fascinating that this podcast is a attracting so many listeners that are outside the world of ETFs. So I beg pardon for those that um, are steeped in this, but maybe just give us a an easier way to understand how capital markets and ETFs combine.
2: Absolutely. And I will try to lay the groundwork here. So generally speaking, ETF capital markets chain function is very unique and critical to the ETF ecosystem. So the team is actively involved in the daily creation redemption function, which is uh, very specific to the ETF structure. We also monitor the exchange trading aspects of the products, meaning the daily trading session and also working with a relationship with the liquidity providers um, and also with the exchange. And ultimately, we provide liquidity and ex- execution services to our end clients. So that caps our major functionality as the ETF capital markets team.
0: Yeah, that sounds complex. There's a there's a lot of pieces to to that. Um just even I I know we could spend a whole podcast episode talking about the creation and redemption process for ETFs, but it is it's specialized and it's, you know, it's an amazing role within a capital markets. So Rachel, what does a typical capital markets analyst role, how does that fit within an ETF issuer?
2: Absolutely. So um, I would say, considering the nature of my job, so we do work cross assets, meaning we cover all of the products, uh, no matter that's an equity product or a fixed income or commodity product. So we do need the basic knowledge to understand how the underlying market works. But I would say about 60% of my energy is actually focusing during the trading hours just to make sure orderly trading of our own products, which is listed on the equity exchange. And about the rest, 40% of energy will be focusing on other aspects of the business, meaning uh, longer term developmental research projects uh, with a broader ETF team, and also um, getting to the client side, talking to the sales, understanding their concerns, and uh, also working closely with uh, the middle or back office, meaning the operation trading PM just to communicating we're acting as like the pillar of a communication within the ecosystem.
0: Wonderful. And Anu, before we even got on, you mentioned to Rachel that you read a report that she provides, which I think is so great. You guys got a, a chance to kind of meet each other over camera. Based on what Rachel said, how would you characterize sort of capital markets and, and your role and it being essential to your firm?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question because we talked about this earlier and a lot of what we do is explaining complex things in a simple manner, right? Because you talked about it before. There's there's so much jargon in this industry, and it continues to grow. So a big part of what I do is taking all of these complex concepts and distilling it and explaining it in a simple manner. To, to sum up, uh, and and a big part of you know what my role is and sort of the benefits of it is explaining the role of index investing and its benefits. For example, think about all the fee savings that investors have achieved uh, through indexing, also on outperformance over the long term, as we know from publishing our SPIVA scorecards, uh, which stand for S&P Indices versus Active. And and we do this all around the world. So we started in the U.S., we've expanded across regions. Uh, So it's been really interesting to just see the growth of this industry and of indexing uh, all around the world. And, and if you think about what an index does and, and as sitting as an index provider, we're, we're sort of a barometer, right? We just measure how does the market moving, what's happening in the market, and we also serve as a yardstick, right? So so managers can compare themselves to the index. So that's really twofold. And you know, one of my favorite words uh, that we use is called indicize. And, and what that means is putting into passive form strategies uh, that, say, 30, 40 years ago, you couldn't access in an index form. Uh, so that's, you know, one of my favorite words, you know, talking about jargon. But to sum up, a lot of it is just communicating uh, what we do, you know, the industry. Rachel talked about capital markets. Uh, the growing capital markets ecosystem is very important right now, because if you think about, again, 30, 40 years ago, we have such an expansion of the ecosystem of derivatives, ETFs. There's so many different ways uh, to gain exposure now, uh, which is really sort of harness the the liquidity uh, within the ecosystem. So that, that's a big part of my day.
0: Wonderful. And Anu, I love how you're talking about indexing. We actually had Joy Yang on the show recently to talk about indexing your career. So applying some of these amazing methodologies that have had this tremendous growth over the last couple of decades to your own career. And so I'll, I'm going to put a, a link to that into the show notes because awesome. um, you just- Yeah, it's a great, uh, a great episode. And listeners might find that interesting after this one. So Anu, take us a little bit more into your day. So it sounds like there's a lot of tasks that you do, but there's probably a lot of relationship management and collaboration. So how does your day look in terms of both tasks and people?
1: Yeah, well, my favorite is I always tell people there's no typical day, right? Which is what makes it fun, right? There's always something new. There's always something unexpected, uh, which is why, you know, I enjoy it and and what makes the day exciting. But if I had to give you a tour, right, of of some examples, you know, we're always working on some written content. Uh, For example, I might be working on a paper. I might be working on a blog to to respond to say something that we saw in the press uh, that we want to respond to. I might be doing a media interview uh, about some uh, indexing-related theme. Client meetings take a big part of the day because so many different people use our indices, right? Think of asset owners, think of financial advisors, think of insurance, think of the capital markets community. So we learn so much just from talking to clients and how they use our indices, and then we take that back home with us uh, and think of future content uh, and thought leadership to, to serve these clients. And I would say one of my favorite parts is just traveling around the globe. You know, I talked about COVID earlier um, and us being, you know, at home for so long. Now it's just so nice to see people physically and to go around the world and meet them. Because as you travel, you learn so much about local market nuances, right? You know, I just to give you examples, I've been to, for example, Brazil or Australia or New Zealand, and you learn a lot about local market regulations, local market nuances. So I always like to say think globally, but with a local mindset, right? So that really informs what we do.
0: Oh, fantastic. And Rachel, what about you? When you think about the tasks that you do and the collaboration that's required, how would you characterize your job between those buckets?
2: Absolutely. So I think this is an amazing question. So I would say there's a popular conception about when a research analyst, the role, when people talk about or think about working as a research analyst, which normally, which usually means like crunching numbers, building spreadsheets or writing reports. But to me, this job is much larger than that. And just as a new highlighted, so in my, in like in our day to days, we constantly communicate with our direct team and also with other business stakeholders like sales teams, strategists, portfolio managers, operation tradings, um, and also outside business collaborators, like an index provider from her side. So in this environment, we uh, are developing our own ideas, which to communicate our ideas and in order to get feedbacks and also just taking notes from different people, different business functions, so we can achieve that synergy as a business um, together.
0: And Rachel, what led you to this role? Like, uh, why did you pursue this role, and, and, and how did you find the seat?
2: So that's a very good question. <laughs> so um, my previous job, I was working as a quantitative sales and research analyst. So uh, I know it's a very um probably broad role. And back then, I was doing a lot of my work focusing on the equity market structure research. Which means, um, so a lot of things actually comes down to the um, regulatory settings. Um, so we're trying to understand the landscape of the U.S. Uh, regulatory settings to the equity trading market and. Uh, to quantify those rule settings in decision making in the algo trading uh, landscape. So within that role, I was doing a research, actually a specific research um, on how the ETF intraday uh, net asset value would fluctuate during trading hours and during non-trading hours for the non-US equity funds. So when doing that preparation of that research, I was getting data, running analytics, building models, I was just learning bit by bit on how the ETF's ecosystem runs, how different players, uh, including the ETF issuers, index providers, authorized participants, uh, liquidity providers, and also the end clients, they all function as harmoniously as a well-oiled machine. So I, I was fascinated by the ETF structure and industry. Uh, and that series of research reports that we put out led me to my current role. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. And Anu, I'm I'm kind of coming back to something you were saying about the local lens by which you see global markets and global trends. And I was thinking that, you know, the confidence to be able to travel and do that, and then the confidence of being bold about your assertions, being able to communicate with so many different people. I'm just gonna go out on a limb here, but I imagine it's not just you figuring out how to do this. There's probably been mentors or influential sponsors within your life that have really enabled you to, you know, to get where you are. So can you speak to that or, or correct me and say, no, no, I, I did this all on my own. <laughs> Absolutely. Me- mentorship is 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 so
1: important, right? Because I don't think any of us can say that we all got here by ourselves, right? And, and we learned so much uh, from people at school, from, from people at work, from our family members. Uh, so the, the learning never stops, right? The, we're, we're learning every day. And of course, I've had so many, uh, mentors that I can think of, uh, through the course of my career. Just to toss out a few names in, in my current role, Craig Lozara brought me onto this team and I learned so much from him about just the history of this business and writing and the importance of communication. Uh, My manager, Tim Edwards, has taught me a lot uh, about communication, leadership skills, talking to the media. And again, going back to that concept of how do you take complex concepts and distill them uh, in a simple manner? So mentorship is so important. And and I'd also like to add that I am a mentor as well. I participate uh, in the mentorship program at S&P. So I think you learn so much being a mentor as well. And you learn from your mentees. Uh, so it's really a two way
0: street. So take us into that a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about either how s is formulated or how have you found your place within With such um, important roles that I'm sure take so much of your time. How do yeah. you find the time? How do you find the chemistry with somebody? Um, yeah. Do you have ground rules with them? Like what? How does that look for you? It's a great
1: question, right? And,
0: and I think there's a lot of
1: different ways to approach mentorship. And you know, the, the program that I mentioned is a formal program, right? Where you'll get matched up and you'll be a mentor or a mentee and you have you know periodic conversations and you talk about career goals and different skill sets and, and what you're looking to achieve. The other way, which I've experienced as well, is just ad hoc, right? There's no program and you watch someone doing something and you say, that's great you know I'm really impressed by by him or her and I want to learn what they're doing and I aspire to that level and you know can I have you know 10 minutes of your time uh, for a cup of coffee or a conversation and and to see where this is going and that kind of leads to that conversation so I've had those ad hoc mentors over the well where I just bumped into people and I think it's you know not being afraid to ask right because most people when you ask are not going to say no most people want to share their knowledge. Of, of how they got to where they got uh, in their careers and help the next uh, generation. And I think we sitting here should pay it forward as well for the next generation. So it's all about, you know, the, the give and take.
0: Yes. Uh, and, and the whole genesis of this podcast was because of that, you know, and I, I know my loyal listeners have heard this before, but it was so inspiring to me to be a part of so many amazing people. And when I would start to to mentor others, I was always trying to recommend them, oh, you need to sit down with so-and-so, or, you know, you really should just a virtual coffee with somebody. And I just thought, oh, you know, if there was a way to bring these great people out with a broader voice so that people could find, either find a yeah. mentor or find a whole lot of voices um, that could speak to their careers. And and that's kind of the genesis of, of why I do what I do. But Rachel, what about you? Are you know? Are you self-made, or are there mentors in your life that you can credit for for some of your success? Definitely not self-made, and I
2: one hundred percent agree with what uh, Anu just said. And uh, There's like one additional point I want to make, as I always consider my like direct managers um, as my natural mentors, because just a close proximity are working with those amazing people. So I can like sit in front seat and watch and learn from them in close range. And, uh, I was lucky enough. So, uh, both my managers, they helped me a lot just to understand the higher level items, especially working as, uh, in the analyst role. So things like leadership, things like thinking in the bigger picture and how to understand and navigate through the business. Someone maybe earlier in their career. So, um and as I mentioned, I also participated in a lot of like mentorship or mutual mentorship program from outside uh like business organizations like women ETS. Yeah. So, I met amazing mentors through two of the rotations of the programs. So, to me, that brings a fresh perspective for someone working in a different function, or even other aspects of the financial industry on how their point of view is to the industry. And I think in the longer term, I, like I benefit a lot from those conversations. I really appreciate their time and effort that brought me here.
0: <laughs> right. And, and I think you bring up a really good point that oftentimes our mentors are within our industry, right? Um, but I just participated, we do kind of a shark tank in Maine. And so I'm one of the, judges at the end that gets to award other people's money to companies, which is just fantastic, right? And um, not a mentor. And in a lot of cases, I don't even really understand uh, the nuts and bolts of what it takes to do some of these companies. We get anything from a play space to, you know, an online app to ocean sensors, you know, they're all over the place. But what I can do is from my perspective of what it takes to grow and um, thrive in a business, you know, I can offer my insight and you know eventually offer money and um, support to some of these growing entrepreneurs in Maine. And, and I, it really reminds me how important it is to have mentors within the industry, but also have people outside that have these fresh perspectives and you know see trends, see other things that, that maybe we don't see when we're you know kind of in the day to of, day of the work that we have to do. Which kind of leads to the question that I would love to ask both of you. Because of the unique places that you are seeing both at a high-level view of where the ETF industry is and where investment industries are, but also knowing the nuances of what it takes to be successful, what are some emerging technologies or trends that you think are going to impact the industry? And maybe Anu, I'll, I'll throw it to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at indexing, you know, I like to use the generations analogy, right? So initially we started with large cap indices, market cap weighted, like the S&P 500. Then we started to get more specialized. We got mid caps, we got small caps, we got sectors, we got industries. Then we got the explosion of smart beta or factor investing. So think of equal weight or low volatility or quality, for example. So we've gone through all these generations and, and the latest generation, you know, that we've seen, for example, is the explosion of thematic investing, right, which makes use of so many technologies like AI and natural language processing, the, the screen securities. So it's been fascinating just to see the evolution of indexing through this technology. And we also have to stay, you know, a pace with it and, and, and keep up with the
0: latest trends. Right. Do you see sort of the idea of Individualization within indexing, getting any play? Um, do, do you yeah. feel like that could be a frontier for where this goes, where everyone sort of excellent, has their own excellent index?
1: question, Christine, because you know it's all about customization these days mm-hmm. now, right? And increasingly more bespoke technologies and customization, where you think about you know the growing needs of investors and catering to those needs, right? So you, you think about securities. You know, I talked about factor investing. Sector investing, thematic investing. Uh, so customization uh, is a huge trend that we're seeing. And, and it kind of makes sense uh, if you think about it, because, again, if you go back 30, 40 years ago, well, there weren't any ways to gain exposure. And then you started getting the, the vanilla exposure. And now it's thinking about new ways to, to wake indices, think about you know market cap weighting versus equal weighting versus based on factors. So so we could go on and on but I think customization is, is a very important trend. Another important trend is just the rise of the retail investor, right because the way we consume information has just changed so much uh, over the past five years, the past 10 years. Uh, think of the growth of social media. Uh, so information is everywhere right now. Yes,
0: absolutely. And Rachel, as we think about the role that you're in, can you tell us some specific strengths or qualities that you would want to see in someone who raised their hand and said, I want to be in your seat in two years or three years? Like, what would you advise them to start developing in themselves or to continue to develop in themselves in order to be competitive for your seat?
2: I would say, first of all, so the skill set itself, it can be self-developed. You can um, learn how to run like analytics. You can learn about uh, the knowledge of the ETF field. Um, So that's all setting aside. I would say uh, personally, I think the most important part is just to start reaching out to people who you think their job that interests you or you think fascinates you. So it's totally okay just to like ask questions to those people you think that might be helpful to you to understand the business. So as one of the mentors says, um, there's no stupid question to ask, especially for someone who's like fresh to the field. So we didn't grow up knowing all we know today by not asking questions. So I would say the most important aspect I can think of is just to find a person, ask a question, and take like talking through what you want to do.
0: Yes. And, and I think some of the answers to those questions can be books and reading, right? So, you know, that idea of feel free to ask the question that is like, where can I find information this as opposed to expecting that our mentors are going to, you know, sit, sit with us for six hours and explain the you know, intricacies of a, you know, a creation basket, for example. So I love that. That's, that's fantastic, Rachel. Anu, what about you? How do you see pulling people into your role and, you know, what would they need to develop to be as successful as you have been?
1: Yeah. And I I was nodding along to everything Rachel just said. So completely agree uh, with all of that. And and, and there's something I call the three C's, right? Which are curiosity, creativity, and communication. So Rachel talked about it, right? Being curious, you know, asking why something is and and not just accepting the, the status quo, I think is is a big part of our role when we're analyzing things. Creativity is key because there's many different ways to analyze an idea. So I could come at it from one angle, Rachel could come at it from another angle. Christine, you could come at it from a third angle. Uh, So creativity is key. And then communication, because all this analysis is great, but if we can't tell the world, then so what? So it's really about the three C's and then the strategy, you know, thinking about the overall corporate strategy where we sit? Because a lot of times we're so in the weeds and thinking about where we fit uh, within the bigger picture and the bigger organization is essential.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's really been, um, I think, interesting to me across all these episodes that curiosity has come up in every single one of them that we've done. And whether it's been on air or as we're prepping, that word has been used. And I just think there's something there that basically says to be in this growing area of sort of ETFs and investments, you have to stay curious in order to stay vital and to continue to enjoy your job. Right. So I was thinking quite a bit about that last night and I was at a group last night and we were talking about um, with a bunch of other women, it was awesome. And they were talking about how hard it is sometimes to connect with your teenager and I was saying one of the things that that I do when I know my son is maybe, you know, had a bad day, doesn't really wanna talk about it. I talk about something that I'm curious about. You know, so recently I looked up the word consent and I was like, what are all the ways in which we give our consent? And sometimes when we are silent in giving our consent, even something like we're in someone's car and they're speeding, and if we don't say anything, are we giving consent to being a passenger in a car that's, you know, speeding and we're, you know, and, you know, what is our role in that car to to sort of speak up and and to know that they don't have consent to to be driving crazy, which, of course, is a topic for teenagers to talk about. So anyway, I was talking about that and it was it was really cool that, like, over the course of talking about something that was probably unrelated to what he was dealing with at school. He like ended up telling me kind of what he was dealing with at school. And so I feel like that role of being curious and being creative about how we communicate um, and how to get people to sort of open up, how to really understand things is, I think, part of what drives all of us in jobs or in roles like a parent that keeps us going. So I love that yet again, we've kind of come back to to curiosity. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for that. So we have made it to our final question, which is always the same. I am a writer as well as a reader. I write Wall Street Suspense. I don't have a book yet, but have an agent. So we're on our path to doing that. But I love books. I think that um, the more we read and the more we open ourselves up to sort of sharp minds, the more empathy we can grow, as well as the more sort of knowledge of things that are going on. anew as you're saying, you know, globally, even with sort of a local lens of, exactly. of the pages we have in front of us. So maybe starting with you, Rachel, do you have a book that you're reading or that you would like to recommend to our listeners?
2: Uh, for sure, yeah. So I read this book during pandemic. It's called "The Rogue Trader" by Nick Leeson. So, um, it's an amazing book. It's a biography about this uh, trader guy, Nick listen from the Barents Bank. Uh, and for those of you who are familiar with uh, financial history, he's a kind of like very <laughs> significant person. He uh, made like a lot of mistakes. Actually, broke the bank and ended up in the jail in Singapore. But um, it's a it's But the book itself is like amazing. So I read through sort of this uh, bio of his. So I think it taught me something probably quite simple in life, which I've never realized before. So like sometimes very often you see like massive failures or incidents um, that happened and it's just, Ask yourself, why could someone let, like, let that happen? Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like it always started with something very small, seemingly harmless or even unnoticeable, like in the beginning. So I guess we are all humans and we all make mistakes, like for me personally, a lot of time. But what do you do or the decision you make right after that mistake can make a great difference so that's my takeaway from that book
0: (laughs) oh I love it I love it you know what are your points of pivot at what point do you like not double down on something that isn't working or a mistake that you've made when do you like put up your hands and say you know my mistake let's let's move in this direction instead as opposed to like keeping going down even if you're having some success with something you know is wrong so oh that's great Rachel we will add that to our virtual bookshelf for sure Anu, what about you? Do you have a book for us? You know, I'm just making a mental note
1: because Rachel's book uh, recommendation sounds amazing. So I'm going to add that to my list. I'm always looking for for book recommendations. And I've got a couple. Uh, One is Trillions uh, by Robin Wigglesworth on just the evolution of the indexing industry. It's absolutely fascinating because... We learn so much from historical events like Rachel talked about, past mistakes, how to learn from them, because the market tends to have a short term memory. Right. And you think about, you know, all these different things like the financial crisis or the tech bubble, uh, so many lessons to, to learn from. So that that's on my list.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you both for joining us. This has been such a fascinating session. I appreciate your willingness to share your wisdom and being transparent about what it takes to to get where you are. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Really enjoyed the conversation, Christine. Yes, Christine. This is fun. Wonderful. Thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information, but you let it be transformational and how you think about your career. I'm rooting for you. If you're an Apple user, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a rating and a review. Your ratings and reviews tell Apple that this is a podcast worth listening to. And in turn, your reviews will help We Talk Careers get in front of more listeners looking to succeed, just like you. And while you're there, go ahead and hit that follow button because there's going to be another brand new episode and you don't want to miss it. Until then, keep thriving. Thank you for listening.